This is the Sports Business Radio Virtual Roadshow, presented by Boingo Wireless, with special guest, Milwaukee Bucks co-owner Mark Lazary. Really what our goal is, is that we want to be as one, and that things that are important to us as a team and are important to us as an organization, we actually do want to make a stand, and we want to tell people about it, and we want to support our players. Um, so I think it's actually worked out exceptionally well for us as an organization. Now, the Sports Business Radio Virtual Roadshow, presented by Boingo Wireless. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Virtual Sports Business Radio Roadshow. I'm Mike Finley, CEO of Boingo Wireless. We're proud to host this exclusive conversation uh, between Sports Business Radio's Brian Berger and Mark Lazary, owner of the NBA Milwaukee Bucks. As a sports fan, like many of you, I'm excited to get back into the stadium for live games. A safe return to live sporting events is a time to be celebrated, and technology is playing a critical role in welcoming fans back. As a global leader in wireless connectivity, Boingo Cellular and Wi-Fi networks reach more than a billion people annually. We help stadiums, arenas, airports, and commercial real estate properties leverage technology to get fans and employees back to work and back to play. Today, we're powering the mobile fan experience with super fast 5G connectivity and Wi-Fi 6 networks at world-class NFL, NBA, MLS, and NCAA stadiums. Additionally, Boingo is helping teams follow health and safety protocols with wireless networks that facilitate touchless experiences like contactless entry and concessions. With that, it is my honor to introduce today's guest, Mark Lazary, owner of the NBA Milwaukee Bucks, and Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Brian, I'll hand it over to you. Mike, thanks so much to you and to Boingo for supporting the Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Mark, welcome to Sports Business Radio. Boy, what a season it's been for the NBA and for the Milwaukee Bucks. You started later on December 22nd after playing in the bubble last year. What do you think about this new calendar that the NBA is on? And do you think it's something we may see continue in the future with a start closer to Christmas and a finish in mid to late July? No, I think, uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, Very kind of you. Um, I I think we're going to get back to our regular season. I think we'll start um, back to where we did. Um, I know it hasn't been fully finalized, but I'm pretty sure we'll end up, uh, instead of starting December 22nd, starting December 1st, and, and just get back to what we had, um, what we've always done. What's it been like for you in the last year and a half? I mean, these are unprecedented times. We've never seen anything like this before. Playing in the bubble, starting this season with no fans. I mean... I've had Peter Fagan, your president, on this show. Everyone's really had to put on their thinking caps in the last year and a half because we've never seen anything like this. Yeah, look, it's been odd. I mean, obviously. um, I think really what everybody was focused on in the beginning was really safety uh, and the health of everyone. And I think the NBA has done a great job with that. But I think ultimately what we've all come to realize is – you know, we actually really like playing in front of fans and you need that interaction. You want people in your stadium. Um, I think we had to do the bubble and we wanted to finish uh, the season and we wanted to have the playoffs. But ultimately, 
I think what people have come to realize, even at the beginning of this season, when there were no fans, um, is it's not the same. And you want people in there, and you've seen it. You've actually seen it throughout all these playoffs. Uh, the games have been great, and the reason for that is just the energy that's in the stadium and the energy that the players end up having and the energy that the players feed off. So I think it's actually an important part, um, and it makes it more interesting. Um, you know, I think even watching the games, you want to see the fans there. You 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 need to see the fans there. So I think it's all been a learning experience, and I think at times we've had um, – you know, the primary focus was really the health and safety of everyone. Um, and I think now that the vast majority of people have been vaccinated, um, you're seeing it that um, things are getting back to normal. That game seven overtime victory against Brooklyn in Brooklyn, maybe the best NBA game I've watched this year. How many uh, heart attacks did you have during that game? Because that was such a roller coaster ride with so many lead changes. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's probably the best game you've seen. Um, you know, I, I hate admitting this. Um, I couldn't watch the end. So when Durant, um, when Durant had the ball, I was sitting there with my son. And obviously, I see the first time when he puts it in overtime, and I'm thinking he hit a three, and we lost. And my son's like, don't worry about it. Um, I think it's a, it's a two. Then when he's got the ball again with about six, seven seconds to go, um, all I did was just stare straight ahead of me. And the reason for that is I, I figured, look, if he made the shot, everybody was going to scream and the stadium was going to erupt. And if he missed, you were going to hear your collective groan. Um, so when I heard the collective groan, that's when I jumped up. So it was, you know, you're, everybody's got their own superstitions. But, um, you know, for me, it was literally um, – you know, you're absolutely correct. You had a lot of highs and lows. Um, so um, I'm just happy we ended up winning. You re-signed Giannis to a max deal this year. You extended Drew Holiday, who you acquired before the start of the season, to amazing players. Um, a lot of times in a small market, it's harder to re-sign those players. I know the Bucks have operated like a global brand for a long time now. Walk me through... The recruitment of Giannis, because you knew from the time you got him, he was a special player. He's a two-time MVP, and you wanted to show him that you could keep him there in Milwaukee and that you're building something special. But it's not an easy task. You guys made it look easy, but it's really not that easy. No, look, I think at the end of the day, um, a lot of this is sort of the relationship that Giannis has with, I would say, sort of the city, um, the people in Milwaukee, um, I would say with, you know, our general manager, our coach, and then with us. And I think you, you need all of those, right? I mean, you really do. And then you need to have a player who values that. And uh, I think everybody who's met Giannis knows what he's like. Um, you know, he's a great kid. And I, I think really what Giannis wants is to win. And as long as he felt that we were going to do what it took to win um, and we had that same commitment and that the organization had that commitment, the GM had that commitment. And it's easy to say, it really is, because everybody says all they want to do is win. Um, I mean, there's nobody who goes, well, look, our goal isn't to win. Obviously, everybody's trying to do that. But it's having the players 
or the people that are working with you um, that are your partners, um, they've got to feel the same thing. And if they do, then I think you, you're able to do great things. If people don't feel we're all on the same page, I think it then becomes uh, very difficult. You and Wes Edens are co-governors of the Milwaukee Bucks. Walk me through the dynamic between the two of you, because it's not just one of you. So I'm sure there's discussions about how things get done. And then what's your management style with your front office? And, and how often do you interact with your players like Giannis and Drew Holiday? Um, sure. So, um, so technically, there's only one governor. Uh, so there, the NBA only views one person as the person in charge. So Wes and I switch off every five years. Um, you know, we have a great relationship. It's, uh, I'd love to tell you we always agree on everything. Um, I, I think we agree on the vast majority of things. And when we do disagree, we'll talk about it and we'll try to figure it out. Um, so I think it's been a great partnership. It's actually worked extremely well for us. Um, and I think part of that is just we've been friends for a long time. Our kids went to school together. Um, you know, our, our daughters have been our roommates or were roommates. So I, I think we're pretty close. And that's actually helped a lot um, so that, you know, our overriding goal is to try to, you know, make the organization one of the best organizations in the league. Um, so and, you know, regarding our involvement, um, yeah, I think we're pretty involved. I mean, in the sense of we'll talk to our GM, you know, when he needs, when he wants to do things, he'll check with us um, as to whether or not, you know, like regarding Drew, should we sign? Should we make the trade for Drew? And really what it is, is GM will come up with all the ideas and they'll bounce them off of us and say, here's what I recommend. Um, and I would say the majority of the time we end up agreeing with them. And, you know, sometimes We'll say, well, look, we don't know if that makes sense. Take us through it. So it, it's more of a partnership, and I think it's worked out really well. What about on the business end? I know you've got a great president, Peter yeah. Fagan. He's been on, but you've grown so much there, primarily with the Pfizer Forum and the Deer District and everything that you've opened since 2018. I haven't been to Milwaukee post-opening. I've been there before, so I've seen all the pictures of how downtown Milwaukee has transformed, and it's just remarkable. Um, but that's been a big part of your organization, too, is growing the business side and, and adding the state-of-the-art arena. Look, I think Peter's done an absolute fabulous job on the business side. I mean, he really has. Um, you know, I would tell you he's Mr. Milwaukee. I mean, <laughs> you know, you see him everywhere. Uh, he works nonstop. Um, he's He's been great. He really has. And, and, and part of that is um, you actually need a partnership between the business side and the basketball side. And I think Peter and John, who's our GM, um, work exceptionally well together. Um, so I, I would tell you it's gone as well as it could um, on the business side. Um, you know, we were able to build a new arena. We were able to build the Deer District. We've been able to do a lot of different things. And a lot of that has been Peter. Walk me through the, the relationship. You just mentioned the importance of the relationship between basketball and business. I've seen a lot of organizations, whether they're NBA or others, where business and sport do not talk to each other. It's like they're in two separate organizations, but I happen to agree with you. I used to work for the Portland Trailblazers, and 
I think having that marriage between business and basketball is so important, but it seems like that's something that you've really uh, honed in on with the Bucks. Yeah, look, I think uh, our, our view is it's one organization, right? It's not two groups. Right. And I think sometimes what you find in the NBA is you've got the basketball side and the business side. And the basketball side says, you look, leave us alone. Um, we, we need to focus just solely on basketball. And the business side um, is trying, you know, because you, you need to get the players involved in the community. People have to feel that they're part of the community. And so, therefore, in our view, you need to have sort of the two working together. Um, it can't be sort of just two separate groups. I think a lot of that is really the people at the top, right? So Peter is somebody who's extremely inclusive. I would say John Horace, who's our GM, is the same. And the fact that, you know, they have a really close relationship makes a lot of what we want to do. They view themselves as partners. It makes a lot of what we want to do easier. Um, but I think to be successful, um, you've got to be one organization. You can't be two. And I think that's, that's the problem sometimes in the NBA. The Bucks have been extremely outspoken when it comes to social justice issues. And that's where I've really seen the marriage of basketball and business and one organization and one voice. And I think you guys have done a terrific job with it. What were the conversations and did those conversations reach your level when it was decided, you know what, we're going to take a stand on this. We're going to be outspoken. We're not going to just sit here silent. No, I think it's, it's the whole organization. I mean, I think it's something we absolutely believe in. Um, and it's something where, you know, we've talked to our players. Um, and our view is it's something our players believe in as well. So it, it's been a great partnership. Um, I think it does. It reaches every part of the organization. It really does. Um, so I think really what our goal is, is that we want to be as one um, and that things that are important to us as a team and are important to us as an organization, um, we actually do want to make a stand and we want to tell people about it and we want to support our players. Um, so I think it's actually worked out exceptionally well um, for us as an organization. Mark. The pandemic has set some new normals. I feel like we've reset yeah. in a lot of ways. Both, you know, you're also the, the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Avenue Capital Group. Um, so I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes there as well. Give me two or three, like, new normals coming out of this. I've had Mark Cuban on, and he's such a visionary and talked about this is how we're going to be doing things differently going forward. I'm sure... From where you sit, you're seeing some new normals, whether it's with the Bucks or with uh, Avenue Capital Group. Um, yeah, there is. Look, I think we've all changed. I think it's um, the fact that we're doing this on Zoom, right? Is just right. A, I mean, that that that's absolutely a new normal. That I didn't know about Zoom three years ago. Right. I didn't know you could do all this um, on the technology side. I think it's been easier for on the business side, um, it's made things a lot easier where, you know, if I have a meeting in LA um, and somebody can do Zoom, it's much simpler. So you're, you're saving a huge amount of time on travel. Um, so I think that's been good. Um, I think you're seeing that we can do more things remotely. Um, I think that's also been pretty positive. But then I also think what we've learned is 
that we actually do want the interaction among people. I've seen that in my office. Um, I've seen it with the Bucks, and you've seen it just you know with when you think of the players, um, you know the idea of just having games for TV. Um, I think people, you know, we went through that, and yes, great, we can do that. I don't think it's something that people want to do, right? I think you do want that interaction. So to me, the new normal has really been that I think we all have now higher comfort that we can do things remotely and we're not scared of that. Um, whereas, you know, I would tell you our firm, I mean, everybody's firm was really focused on sort of disaster recovery. What would happen if you couldn't be in the office for a week, right? I mean, I think that's for all of us. And all of a sudden now we found out it's not a week, but it's been a year. And I, I don't think I could have remotely imagined that our business would have thrived in an environment like that, right? And I, I think we, so now what you do is you sort of see, all right, well, that's work. Um, how do we take the good of that and make that even better? So um, I, I think I've learned quite a bit, but I've also learned that um, it isn't, I'm not a big believer that you've got to do everything remotely. I am a big believer that, you know, you need to sort of incorporate it. And, but at the end of the day, you still want the interaction among people. Yeah, it's interesting. I saw the CEO Morgan Stanley came out recently and said, hey, everyone back in the office by September 1st. And his reasoning was, if you can go to dinner in downtown San Francisco, you can come to the office. And, you know, you may agree or disagree with that, but there are companies that are now starting to say, look, you know, you need to come back into the office. There are other companies that have gone remote forever and gotten rid of their office space. I guess it probably just depends on the industry and the management. Yeah, I think, I think part of it, there, there's a lot of things you can do remotely. And I, I think we all see that and we all understand that. Um, but there is, and, and look, and, and it may be generational. Um, um, I think the older you are, the more you believe that the interaction among people is actually really beneficial and that you have ideas and you have um, you know, working together within a group is beneficial. Um, and I think you've got a number of tech firms who think, look, you can do everything remotely. It's fine. Um, and I think it's what works for people. Um, you know, ultimately, really all that's going to happen is, you know, if you think of a firm like us, we're going to say, look, we want everybody, you know, we've got people who've started as of June 1st, everybody's back in our office um, if you're vaccinated. So, you know, our view is we'd like to have people in the office. And people have a choice. I mean, you know, it's, it's a great country. You, if, if you come to the conclusion, well, look, I, I, I love working remotely. Um, I want to keep doing that. I, uh, you know, we have a number of employees who move. And, you know, I think for them, I think they're, you know, uh, my view is I think ultimately they will end up just whether it's working for us or it's working for somebody else. But I think they're going to want to do things remotely. Um, because they're not going to want to move from where they are. So I, I think it, that's what's changed. I think people's view of the world or view of how they want to operate has changed dramatically. Um, and I, I think you're going to have businesses, um, you know, where regarding talent, that's going to change as well. I want to talk for a couple of minutes about, uh, we mentioned earlier, operating the bucks as a global brand. 
you know, it used to be way back in the day, you were just focused on Milwaukee, maybe the state of Wisconsin. Now people around the world are watching NBA games and they can watch them on their phones or they can watch them on a TV in any place in the world. How have you approached uh, a global brand with the Bucks, and, and, you know, kind of what's your strategy there? Um, well, one, I think it's a great question. Um, and really what you're saying is that you think the Bucks are America's team. So one, I want to thank you. <laughs> uh, hey, let's I, not stop there. They're the world's team. I'm I, talking I global brand here. You're so right. not, not just America's team. Uh, so now we're the, the world's team, which uh, I think is great. Look, a lot of this is social media, right? And it's technology. Um, and I think the, the ease of watching a game, um, you know, I think for me, I grew up, if you were watching the game, you know, there were three channels. <laughs> so right. Three channels. Yeah. It wasn't really that complicated. Um, and you were just trying to fix your antenna to make sure the reception was coming in. So um, I, I think you've, you've got these teams today and we're one of them. And part of that is really because of Giannis. And I, I think as you have international superstars uh, or you have international individuals, um, people end up watching them and so they're watching your team. And I think part of that is, um, you know, we've got a whole group that's dedicated to sort of putting out the message of the Milwaukee Bucks, who we are. And it's not just like, as you said, to Milwaukee or to Wisconsin or to the United States, it's global. And you see that, you know, we went to play in, when we first bought the team, um, we played in London. Um, you know, last year before the pandemic, one of our last games was in uh, Paris. Um, so I, I think the NBA is trying to do that. We're trying to do that. Um, but I think it's, you know, if you're a player, um, it's no longer, um, you know, I think if you're playing in Milwaukee, you were worried maybe 20 years ago, will people know who you are? Um, that's not the case anymore. I think wherever you're playing, everybody knows who you are. So I think it's great for the players. I think it's great for the teams, it's great for the league. I've got to imagine that Greece is probably your number one market outside of the United States. Are the ratings there pretty good? Yeah, no, they're phenomenal. Um, the only thing that would be a little bit better if it was a bigger country, uh, <laughs> but that's that's really about it. But yeah, it's. Um, I mean, that, I, I would tell you, Giannis is a national hero. There. When you're making big decisions, because I'm reading so much about this, there's uh, I think five coach openings in the NBA right now, and you know it's the off season when free agents are signed and things like that. How much do you and Wes and John? consult with your key players like Giannis on, Hey, we're thinking about making this decision. What do you think? Or do you just tell them after the fact, because they're a player? Not at all. First of all, Wes and I are not, are, are not going to talk to any of the players about sort of the coaches um, just simply because I don't think it's what we should be doing. I think that's up to the GM, right? So ultimately at the end of the day, I think on the basketball side, John's got the relationship with the players and he's got the relationship with the coach. So uh, I think we try to leave that really to our general manager um, because he's dealing with the players day to day. 
Um, so I think ultimately it's, it's exactly a little bit of what I said earlier. Um, you want a partnership with everybody. Um, so you're, you know, John's got a phenomenal partnership with Bud um, and he's got a great relationships with all the players. So, you know, for us so far, it's worked out extremely well. I want to spend a few minutes talking about NBA league issues. Um, there's been a lot of talk about expansion. I had Robert Sarver on a couple months ago with the Suns, and you know, there's always that dilemma: Do you want to sl- slice the pie, uh, you know, 31 or 32 ways, or do you want to keep it at 30? There's benefits to staying where you are. There's also benefits to adding some new markets and and you know, potential media markets. What are two or three of the, I guess, key issues that the owners are discussing right now at those board of governors meetings? I'm not asking to, you know, I don't want to get you fined or anything like that, but what are some things that you guys are talking about as you look at this league right now and you look at the next five to 10 years, what's that conversation like? Look, I think, I think really what it is, it's not, it's not that complicated. The question is, I think when you add a team, or you had two teams, um, the question is what happens to the level of play, right? And, and that's really it. I, I think what you want is you, you want your players and you want the league to stand for excellence. And I think that's the goal, right? And then the question becomes, all right, um, look, if we had 60 teams, what would that do? You know, I mean, like I always take extremes. I really do. Hmm. And, and what I mean by that is if you sort of think about it and go, okay, well, if we had 60 teams, what would happen? Well, I think people would say, well, I don't know if that would be as interesting because you'd have a lot of teams that just wouldn't be that good. Okay, great. You know, is 30 the right number? Um, you know, is it 32? Is it 31? Is it 36? Is it 24? Um, so I think part of this is just always trying to figure out um, what's the best thing for the league um, and for the NBA and for the players. Um, Because really what we have is we have something that people want to watch. And uh, ultimately, you know, if you have more teams, are people still going to be more interested or will that level of interest wane because they don't think the, you know, the play is as good. And, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. And I think that's what everybody keeps on trying to figure out. So that's why you always hear about expansion. Um, it's been there, you know, that's always the question for the NBA is, um, do we keep growing? And is there enough interest in what we're doing if we keep growing? I know Adam Silver pretty well. I've sat with him on stage at, at my event in New York. Um, I think he's done a terrific job. Sports yeah. Business Journal just named him uh, Executive of the Year for this year, which is a great honor for him. How often do you interact with him? Is it just at, at Board of Governors meetings? Uh, what's that relationship like? Um, I think it's a great relationship. I mean, I, it's a little bit of what you said. Adam's a great guy. Um, I think Adam is absolutely reachable if, if there's something that I want to talk to Adam about, it's easy to do and vice versa. Um, so, you know, I'll, yes, you'll see Adam at the board of governors, but you also, um, you'll see Adam at a number of events that we all go to and Adam will come to a bunch of our games. Um, so I think it's, 
I think at least for me, I think we have a great relationship. I, I love talking to him. Um, I think he's an exceptionally smart guy. So if there's things we're looking at or different ideas that I may have, I'll bounce it off of Adam. Um, you know, I wish he would take every idea I had as being brilliant, but somehow it uh, doesn't seem that way. And I don't understand why. But. Well, it's an idea that you've pitched to Adam that he's like, eh, not so sure about that. But I think, you know, the Bucks should have 80, 82 home games. I don't know why we need to try. <laughs> okay, that's a little bit far-fetched. Come on. Are, no, are I know. I'm just kidding. It's just, no, I think parts of it is just, different things of what we can do within the league and the NBA. Um, so I, I, I think all of us have sort of different ideas of what we can do to make things better. Um, we'll all talk to Adam about it um, and then we'll bring it up uh, to the rest of the, you know, to the league and to the board of governors. One of the ideas that it seems like Adam has had is the idea of a mid season tournament. Yeah. What do you think about that idea? Um, I think it's interesting. I really do. I think part of it is how do you do it? Uh, look, I think the idea of the plan, that's been a great, that's been yeah. great for the league. I think, um, you know, the only people who complain about it are the people who um, don't want to be in the plan <laughs> if they're the seventh and eighth seed. And the, but I think it's been phenomenal for the league. I think it's something hopefully that'll stay. Um, but I think sort of mid season, same thing. You know, I, the great thing about Adam, he's, he's always trying to figure out how to change, you know, how to sort of innovate. And I think we need to do that um, because we're not static and things are changing around us. Uh, a few more questions, and I'm going to bring Mike Finley back in for a couple minutes. Um, okay, I need the scouting report on Mark Lazary. You played in the 2019 Celebrity All-Star Game at NBA yeah. All-Star Weekend. What's the scouting report on you? Oh, don't let me shoot. I mean, deadly, <laughs> deadly from the outside. Uh, really? So you're, yeah. are, are, you're like, you could go out there with Drew Holiday and uh, drain some threes. Oh, yeah. It's not even close. Um, you know, lightning quick. Um, as, you know, as long as it's in slow-mo. Um, <laughs> I sort of seem really fast. Um, now, look, I think for all of us, I mean, I, I used to play in college. It was fun. Um you know, it was Division Three, so there, there's a big difference between Division Three, two, and one. Uh, you know, as my kids constantly remind me when I tell them, "Yeah, Dad, you keep saying you play in college. It's a little school. It wasn't like a big school." Uh, but um, look, I think it's a blast. I think um, for all of us, um, you know, if you love the game and you you just it's something that stayed with you for your whole life. So I'd say deadly deadly shooter from the outside. How often do you go to the practice facility and get shots up with the guys? Um, as often as I can. It's just not that often. I'd love to do it. Um, you know, I think ultimately I, I'll do it. Um, I'll do it two or three times a year. Um, they're always surprised that I can shoot. Um, but I'll, I'll get into some of the shooting drills. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just a blast. Have you ever uh, taken any money off anyone at horse or anything like that? Um, no, <laughs> I, I, you know, the only problem is, you know, if you sort of think about it, they are NBA players. Uh, I'm not. So the likelihood of me taking money off of them is pretty slim to none. Um, but you know, I, I once was kidding around with a player, um, who will remain nameless and 
were kidding. And I said, um, how about if we play one-on-one? I get 15 tries to score one basket. And if I score one basket, I win. And you, you know, you don't need to shoot because we know you'll score. So what do you think? And, you know, it was for like $100. And he goes, why don't you just give me the 100 because you won't be able to score one basket. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 I'm really good. He goes, you're not that good. <laughs> you're not that good. You're slow. Um, I'll take advantage of you. Don't, don't, I mean, just give me the hundred. Why waste the time? So, you know, you, you quickly realize um, how good everybody is. And um, so I never did the bet because he sort of psyched me out. But uh, I, I thought I'd be able to score one basket, but no, it didn't work. One more question uh, sure. before we bring Mike in. Uh, I know Wes Eden's your your business partner, co-owner, just launched a tequila brand with yeah. the likes of Michael Jordan and Jeannie Buss sure. and a few other uh, NBA owners. Did you go to that launch party? Because I heard it was a, a pretty fun launch party. Yeah, I did. It was fun. Um, it's a great tequila. Um, you know, I think Wes and the group did a fabulous job on it. Um, yeah, the good news about having a partner who's done that is he sends you a lot of free tequila. So it's, been, <laughs> it's actually been great. That would, that's gotta be fun. Like I love to see stuff like that, where a few of the different owners of different teams yeah. get together and do something like that. Cause it tells me that there's a good camaraderie between the one of 30. I mean, you sit in a very special club. There's not many people 30 in the world who, you know, own an NBA franchise. So I think that's a fun thing when it you is. kind of get together and go, Hey, let's do something fun like that. No, I think, I think they did a great job. I mean, they're, they're all actually really close friends. Um, so I think it's, it was a lot of fun for them and for Wes and Michael and Jeannie and Wick is the other partner. Um, so I think it's been great. Yeah. He loves it. Excellent. All right. We're going to bring Mike Finley from Boingo back into the conversation, but Mark, I'm going to stay with you. Um, Pfizer Forum opened its doors in 2018, as we discussed. It's a state-of-the-art venue. Um, what has made Pfizer Forum so successful so far? I mean, I talked to Peter about this a little bit, but what are two or three things that if you come to Pfizer Forum in the Deer District, this is what's going to leave the imprint? Um, I think the ease of accessibility. Um, I think what we've done is we incorporated in there um, a lot of Wisconsin. Um, I think people really, we made it light, we made it airy, we made it open. Um, you know, the, the, the old stadium was about, if you sort of think about it, 30 years old. It was one of the oldest stadiums that we had. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it wasn't that hard to improve. Uh, <laughs> 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 you know, you're sort of doing something from 30 years ago. Um, but uh, I think it's everything. I mean, it really is. I mean, it, it, if you sort of look at sort of the practice facility, the stadium itself, um, how everything is new, you know, regarding the ease for the players, um, getting into the stadium. Um, like a, if, if you remember the old stadium, the Bradley Center, um, it was just dark. I mean, that's the, there, there's nothing you can do about it. And I think what, new Pfizer forum is it's very warm. It's very opening. You've got the, the deer district, which is that um, right outside before you come in. I mean, now we've got literally, I think like 5,000 fans who will stand outside and watch games. Um, you could never do that. You've got, I think for um, 
you know, for our premium ticket holders, we've made things easier and better for them. Um, we've made the experience more interesting. Um, look, really, what are we competing against? We're competing against people staying home and wa- watching it on HDTV, right? So if you think about that, um, sometimes it's easier to just stay home, right? And what we're trying to do is say, no, you want to come out. Um, here's why. And I think Peter and the rest of that and the rest of his team have done a fabulous job. I'm going to go to Mike Finley now. Mike, uh, one of the reasons people stay home is sometimes there's not a great wireless connection when you go to the venue and everyone wants to share pictures and video and, and things like that. I know Boingo's done such a great job enhancing uh, those connections for fans at games. What technology do venues need to have now to really stay stay in the art and say, I got to buy the ticket instead of staying home and watching it on HDTV? Well, first of all, uh, this has been a great discussion, Mark. Thanks for joining and uh, congratulations on all the great success. It's really fun to watch your team play. And I was noticing all the fans outside last night as well, watching the game. But it's really all about all of the technology and connectivity coming together, uh, Brian, in that we believe strongly in, in utilization of converged and neutral technology. So you have all the, the wireless side through the cellular uh, carriers, the Wi-Fi technology, which has become greatly enhanced with Wi-Fi 6, soon to be Wi-Fi 6E, and a lot of spectrum that the government's been putting out. When you look at the, the great devices that are there, the phones, the iPads, uh, what people are bringing, they have all this capability. So the venue needs to enable all of that as well. So what we do is bring all of that together. Uh, at the end of the day, when you're at the stadium or at the arena, you're not really caring what technology you're on. You just want to make sure it's on. And, um, and so, you know, prior to the pandemic, um, it was about what you described. You know, I, want, I have a picture. I want to get it sent out there. I want to show somebody where my seats are and things. And now it's a lot about, you know, health and safety. We've done contactless ticketing already. The leagues have been doing that. Uh, but now as fans are coming back into the, the stadiums, they want to be uh, safe, secure. So there's a lot of cashless payments. You know, we've done that at some of our arenas already um, uh, around the, the country. There's health protocols. And then there's simple, you know, things that sound simple but are, are hard to do, like just cleaning. Uh, and the, the venues all want to have, uh, you know, robotics and things like that. They takes a lot of bandwidth. So we're bringing all of that technology together and bringing it into the stadiums. And it's going to be a phenomenal fan experience because of that, because now you can do virtual reality, augmented reality, and, uh, you know, some gambling as you know, real time as that becomes more legal in different places. Mark, back to you. Uh, CEOs worldwide say the pandemic has really accelerated that digital transformation. Mike just mentioned some of the ways cashless, touchless, cleaning facilities, from where you sit with both of your businesses, what are some of the digital transformations that you're paying attention to? I know we talked about we're all on Zoom more and things like that, but what else are you seeing with digital transformation? I think Mike hit it on the head. I mean, a lot of it is really sort of how you want to make that experience easier and use the technology to do that. So having cashless transactions, I mean, um, being able to send tickets um, to the fans. And, but a lot of it, and, and Mike's right, I mean, it, it's really having the ability where people, it's funny, people will be sitting next to each other and, and they're still texting each other, I mean, I, which I've never understood. <laughs> Neither so, I. 
<laughs> no, but if, if they can't text the guy sitting next to them, they're really upset. So you, you need to have Mike's technology there because um, you know, normally, you know, when I go to a game, I'll turn around and go, hey, how you doing? <laughs> the, you know, I'll see my kids going, eh, how you doing? You know, that's really what it is. Um, but I think a lot of that is you, you want to be able um, that when you're in that stadium that you can communicate. And if you're not able to communicate easily, uh, especially for the younger generation, um, you're going to have a harder time. So I think Mike's absolutely right um, that you need to be able to have that technology. Um, and I think for us, that's really one of our biggest focuses is making sure that once people come in, um, not only can they send pictures of themselves, they can send video of um, who, you know, of a player doing a specific thing or somebody always, you know, the, the videos I see, somebody's always behind, you know, the, the, you've got the court behind you and you've got somebody going, you know, some crazy picture. Um, if you can't send that, I think you've taken away a lot of that experience. So I think all the cashless transactions, absolutely. Um, it's just made things easier. Um, but really, you need to have the technology that Mike's talking about in there. You know, it's amazing to me, speaking of technology, you could argue the buck season was extended because of technology. Kevin Durant's three versus a two, if you don't have the replay angles and all of the zoom ins and all of the stuff that you could really look at that and get it right, which they did, you know, if, if this is 1971 and he's shooting that shot, you don't have the ability to go back and go, okay, his foot was on the line. It was a two, not a three. It's just amazing to me when you look at all the different ways that we can analyze things yeah. or share videos now. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, in 71, all it would have been is, you know, was his foot on the line and hopefully the ref saw it that way. And if he didn't, that's it. I mean, there was, you, you couldn't appeal a decision. Right. right. I mean, it wasn't, if he had said his foot was behind the line, even if I said, look, I saw it, trust me, <laughs> you know, I saw it. It was, yeah, I don't care. You know, goodbye. So, uh, look, technology is great. I mean, it is, it's, I think it's helped a lot of things. Um, so, you know, the good and the bad, the, the great thing about technology is we think it makes everything faster. Um, sometimes it makes things a little slower because it's exactly what you said. You had to go review that and look at it from like seven different angles. Um, and, but at the end of the day, I think what people really want is to be right. And, um, you know, because you don't want a game to be decided by a mistake. You really don't. And um, so I think technology has helped um, fix a lot of that. I'm, I'm thinking of putting in uh, the Hawkeye system because I play tennis. Um, every time I play, everybody keeps calling my balls out. So I'm pretty sure they're in. So I'm going to put in that Hawkeye system um, and make sure I set it up. So if the ball is a foot out, they, you know, the Hawkeye still calls it in. So, you know, I'm going to make sure I control the technology. Excellent. I love that. Mike, one more question for you. Uh, again, Boingo is a pioneer in wireless technology at big venues. Is there anything new that you're working on? You just mentioned was it 6G? I can't even keep up with all the Gs. Every time I talk to you, there's a 3G, a 4G, a 5G, a 6G. It seems like this is all progressing so quickly. Well, that's the beauty of what we do. It's continuing to evolve. We're not at 6G yet, but, uh, uh, but we're at 5G, and it's really enabling a lot of great capabilities. We actually 
announced today uh, the Boingo Private Network uh, enterprise that we're entering into. And really what that's going to enable is, uh, uh, you know, opportunities um, uh, for the enterprise. So in the, in the sports world, in the arenas, all these great connectivity I talked about, licensed, unlicensed, CBRS, hybrid, Wi-Fi, cellular, those types of things, bringing that all together uh, into a private type of network for these venues is going to enable lots of uh, other benefits for them and their users. I mentioned robotics and cleaning before of, of, of this type of stuff. takes a lot of bandwidth, uh, makes it easier, it, contactless, stuff like that, but also security cameras, health and safety protocols, um, you know, a lot of back office operations historically being able to get coverage in some of the bowels of these stadiums and, and that there's still a lot of activity and a lot of need for that. Uh, and we're working with the clubs and the leagues and the teams, you know, to, to not only enable a great experience for the fans uh, to be able to do what they want to do, as we've just discussed, but also to enable the, the owners and the arenas uh, to, to have a, a bunch of opportunities for their own private type of needs with, services and touchless and contactless health protocols, safety, cleaning, all, all those types of things. So we're very excited about that. Well, Mark and Mike, I really appreciate you both joining me for the Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo. Mark, best of luck to you in the box you. as you continue your journey. I'm hoping that you're going to get that, that long-awaited championship. What has it been? It's 1971, right? Yeah. was the last one. Good so I think you guys are we're due. well set we're up. Due. That's you're due. We're due. Yeah, you're due. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, I'm interested to see how the Hawkeye works out at your house and hopefully you go undefeated <laughs> going forward in, in tennis matches. So it'll make you, you undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mike, thank you. And Boingo so much for uh, supporting the sports business radio roadshow. And thanks to Malka sports for producing this event here today. Thank you both. Thank you. Yeah. There's no question that live sports and entertainment events are changing as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. To ensure a strong recovery that keeps fans safe and engaged, sports venues are reimagining game day with Boingo's 5G connectivity solutions. Boingo Wireless helps partners across the NFL, NBA, MLS, and NCAA redefine the in-venue experience with 5G-ready cellular and Wi-Fi 6 networks that power new touchless technologies. From contactless ticketing and security and in-app food ordering to IoT robotics for cleaning and maintenance, Boingo's backbone of wireless connectivity makes new stadium use cases possible. Choosing a digital transformation partner you can trust is key to achieving fan experience goals and following rigorous health and safety protocols. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They help world-class venues navigate a complex and ever-changing technology landscape and have done so for 20 years. I recently had Austin FC President Andy Lochnane on Sports Business Radio. Here's what he had to say about Boingo, Austin FC's 5G partner. A relatively competitive process led to a relatively easy decision. The decision to go with Boingo was one that came with a lot of comfort and confidence. Now more than ever, staying connected is what matters most, and Boingo makes it all possible. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. If you need a trusted partner for your network and digital transformation needs, look no further than Boingo. Learn more by visiting boingo.com or emailing sbradio at boingo.com. That's sbradio at boingo.com. 
This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.